0: We are in a series called The Opposition Within. This is part three. We started two weeks ago with with guilt, how guilt says, I owe you. I've done something, and now I'm in your debt. And last week, we talked about anger, how anger is the opposite. Anger says, you owe me. You've done something. You've taken something from me, and now you owe me. Well, this week, we're talking about part three, which is kind of sly, kind of subtle. It's not as apparent as guilt and anger. Um, It's called greed. And everybody immediately checks out, well, I'm not a greedy person. Well, we'll see about that. The main thing is greed is saying me first when Jesus calls us to say others first. That's the main thing today. Uh, One of my major concerns about our country, and if you follow me on Facebook, I write about this all the time, um, is it's immaturization. I don't know if immaturization is a word, but I, I made it up. Uh, it's, it's continuing immaturization. The emphasis on letting emotions decide our course of action and beliefs. Uh, the, the lack of critical thinking that is on display for all to see. The jumping of, on a bandwagon's acceptance of whatever uh, news story comes our way as totally true and unbiased without healthy skepticism. Of course, we all go to those things and those are legitimate, but I'm not talking about those things today. I'm talking about a subtle thing about immaturity, and the, that is the insistent focus on itself. That's what immaturity is. Uh, anyone, of a, anyone who is a parent of an infant knows this. How many of you all have ever been parents of an infant? Some of you all are parents of infants now. My prayers are with you. But an infant, get this, those of you that are not parents, let me tell you what it's like. An infant does not care about your rough day, okay? An infant does not care about uh, the fact that you are tired, even though it's probably the cause of you being tired. Uh, it It does not care about your stresses, about your troubles, about your bills to be paid. An infant does not care. An infant only knows one thing, me First, that's what an infant does. That's the stage of life it's in, and an infant defines problems with the fact that its needs are not being met right now. That is a major problem, and there is no negotiating with an infant. Anyone ever tried? Anyone ever tried negotiating with a hungry or a tired infant? Good luck, right? Good luck. It's not going to work. Um, because the infant doesn't understand anything except me first, its wants, its needs, its desires, and the immediate satisfaction of it. And if those are not met, we've got a problem. And it's not a problem because, I mean, that's, that's the stage of life God put them in. That, that's, that's a necessary phase. All of us went through that. But what's a problem when that infant gets to be 10 or 15, or 20, or 30, or 40, or 50, or or older, and still says, me first. Still, the the continued continued immaturization of America sees the rise of people who believe, like infants, that the satisfaction of their wants, their needs, their desires, are the primary priority in their lives. And and that's a primary concern, it doesn't matter If the person is wealthy or poor, uh, old or young, male or female, it doesn't matter. Greed is saying me first when Jesus calls us to say others first. Maybe you grew up in a household with a greedy parent. Maybe you deal with one right now. A parent that put his or her needs in front of yours and continues to do that now. Maybe you work with greedy co-workers. Or, or maybe you have a greedy boss who takes, all, who takes care of himself or herself first and will throw you under the bus at a heartbeat if that means they get to advance. I've worked for people like that. Maybe you're dating someone who's greedy, someone who, does, who only thinks about himself or herself and doesn't care about you or what, what you have going on. If you had to live with that or are living with that, then you know the truth of Proverbs 15, 27. The greedy bring ruin to their households. The one who hates bribes will live. The greedy bring ruin to their households. A person who concerns him or herself with me first is going to destroy their households. The Bible said it's been going on for 3,000 years. Jesus himself addressed this in Luke 12, verse 13 through 21. uh, Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You you gotta love the, the gall of this guy. He goes straight to the son of God to get what's his. You know, he approaches the, he doesn't figure there's a higher power That you can go, no appeals after that. He goes, he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Smart move, Jesus. Even Jesus knows not to get involved in family quarrels. Okay, all right, especially when it comes to money. But then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain and I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you Fool. this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whomever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. There is so much in this parable, so relevant for us today. I'll bet the man in the crowd that Jesus uh, that, that approached Jesus was dumbfounded, was taken aback, that that Jesus not only wouldn't help him out, but started talking about greed. I bet he was dumbfounded. The reason is because I've never met a greedy person. You probably haven't either. Now, I, I've, I've met people who deal with guilt. Yeah, I, I, I've, people admit that. I, I, I've dealt with people who deal with anger. I definitely admit that. I've never met a greedy person, kind of like I've never met a pessimist. I've only met optimists and realists, right? right? Optimists and realists. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. Yeah, well, the same way I've never met a greedy person. I've met a lot of people that, that uh, explain it away for other things. But see, the, 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 the only place I've really ever met someone who's greedy is in jail or in rehab. I guess those guys have a clarity about their lives that we lack. But they, yeah, they'll, they'll admit, yeah, I'm the, I'm the greediest person I know. Um, the problem with greed is that it can be disguised, guys, in good-sounding things. It can be disguised in good-sounding things. You know, I, I've heard, I'm a saver. Well, see, saving's good. I save, hopefully you do too. The Bible tells us to do that. Or I'm a planner. Nothing wrong with making plans. Some of my best friends make plans sometimes. No, um, another person said, "I I want to be sure my financial future is secure. That's a good thing. See, greed is easy to hide from ourselves. Not to the people around you. See, you can hide it from yourself very easy, but if you ask the people around you, they have a very, very good view of who you are. Believe me. Here's some signs of greed, you guys. Here's some signs. Uh, greedy people talk, about, talk a lot about and worry a lot about money. Now, I want to qualify this because uh, it's, it's okay to talk about money, it really is. Uh, around here, around the staff, we're all big Dave Ramsey people. We're always talking about what baby step we're on, how's the budget going, you know, how close are you to getting out of debt and you know, come in, oh man, I had this expense, it kind of took me back out, I built up my emergency fund. We do that all the time. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Um, greedy people are not cheerful givers. They're not. And they're reluctant to share because at the, at the, at the heart of greed is fear, Fear that God will not provide for me. God, that that I'm going to run out. There's a fear that drives greed. Uh, Greedy people are sore losers. They they don't lose very well. Very ungracious losers. Um, uh, Greedy people argue over insignificant sums of money. I mean, they throw a fit over a dollar or $5 or or something like that. Um, that, uh, Greedy people always talk as if they have just enough to get by. I mean, they're always just skirting by. They don't have an abundance mentality. Uh, greedy people won't ever let you forget what they've done for you. They won't ever let you forget because everything they do has strings attached. They give so they can have influence. They don't ever let, they, they don't, they don't ever let you forget what they've done for you. Uh, greedy people rarely say thank you or express gratitude. After all, they earn, they've earned it, they deserve it, and why should I say thankful for that which I'm entitled to? Um, Greedy people aren't content with what they have, always need something else. And last, uh, greedy people attempt to control others with money or gifts. Everything that they give has a string attached. Is it starting to hit? Maybe we have more of a problem with greed than we like to admit. Like I said, it's subtle. But through all these things, we see the heart of the greedy person, and it's me first me first. That is the heart of the greedy person. And the reason the greedy person always says me first is that for the greedy person, number two, the greedy person stuff equals life. All right. That is the heartbeat of their life and messing with their stuff or asking to give it up is messing with their life. Okay. They never feels that they have enough. Their appetite is never satisfied. Therefore they are rarely at peace with others and never at peace with themselves. Okay, Uh, that's why Jesus specifically says at the beginning of this parable, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. So much bigger than possessions. Now, I have to to stop and qualify something here. uh, It is not mean a person with a lot of possessions is greedy. That's not what's being said. I, I listen to Dave Ramsey all the time. I love Dave Ramsey. I was listening to him one time and this caller called in to argue with him. I love it when people call in to argue with him because he, they never win. It's so funny. But the caller referred to an earlier statement that Dave Ramsey had made um, about one of his friends, a very, very dedicated Christian that had a $70,000 car. And the caller Um, uh, said uh, that no godly person would ever spend that much on a car and uh, Jesus wouldn't have done that and he would have given that to the poor. Sounded very high and moral, actually. He really did. And Dave asked the caller what kind of car he drove. And he said that he drove a Toyota Corolla that was a few years old. And Dave asked him how how much he paid for it. He said, I paid $6,000 for it. And then Dave asked, um, how much do you make a year? And the guy said, I make $40,000 a year. And so Dave Ramsey said, so uh, you spent 15% of your yearly income on your car. He said, let me tell you about my friend. My friend makes 2 million per year. And he spent 3.5% of his income on his car. He said, you spent more than four times what he spent. He said, said, in order for my friend to be as Christian as you, he would have to spend $300,000 on a car just to be as Christian as you. I love that, that's great. And then Dave Ramsey said, where do you think that $70,000 went to? And the was silent. He said, uh, how many people are employed because of people like him? Assembly line workers, manufacturers, marketers, salespeople, all, all have jobs because he bought that car. And he said this, he said, quit couching your jealousy and covetousness in spiritual terms. He said, that's all this is. He has something you don't and you're mad about it. Buy, click. After hanging up, he continued, this man I was referring to is one of the most generous people I've ever met. He gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. It's not a sin to have stuff. It's only a sin when your stuff has you. Okay? Incidentally, one of the sure signs of greed is the obsession with what other people have. If you're constantly worrying what other people have, that's a sure sign of greed. And this greed and selfishness is at the heart of everything that has wrong, been wrong about our society since the, since the world began. From the petty thief on the corner who steals to Pol Pot in, in Cambodia, in the killing fields of Cambodia, putting himself first over the people that he killed. Selfishness is at the heart of every th- wrong that has ever been committed in the history of humanity. Okay? That is it. If you think about it, you go through the 10 commandments, every one of them has to do with putting yourself over others. Okay? So this is, this is a major problem we've got here, y'all. Major problem we've got here. So what's the cure? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this is where, this is where it gets exciting. I love this. This fires me up, you guys. The cure for greed is generosity. Generosity. It's amazing. Generosity. It's a beautiful word. It's one of the most beautiful words in the, in, in the English language and I love it. Check this out. But generosity starts with the understanding that it's all his, it's all God's, every bit of it. The clothes you're wearing, the money in your bank account, your house, your car, your clothes, everything, it's all his. How do we know? Well, Psalm 24 one says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 50 verse nine through 12. I love this. This is one. This is great. I love this. He says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens for every animal in the forest is mine. In other words, he goes, I don't need you to give me anything. It's already mine. You can't give me what I already have. It's already mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, God says, mine. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects of in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. It's all his. That's the mentality we have to get. That's the mentality that breaks the power of selfishness and greed in our lives. It's all his. We, it's all his and we're his managers. No one owns anything if you, could, if you actually own something, you could take it with you when you die, but you don't. You manage it for a while. You kick the bucket. Someone else comes in and gets your stuff. They manage for a while. They kick the bucket. It goes to somebody else. That's the way life is. That's the way it is. And there's an old word word that churches used to use all the time. If you've been around churches for a while, if you grew up in the church, you probably heard this. It's called stewardship. Anybody ever heard of a stewardship? Yeah, what is a stewardship campaign? That usually means we're building a building and we need money. Right? That's what a stewardship campaign is. Okay. All right. Well, fortunately, that's not what stewardship Is okay. The word steward comes from medieval times. Back in the back in in medieval England, the Lord owned a castle and all the land. He had peasants working for him. Well, the position of steward was the was like the right hand man of the of the Lord, the landowner. He was in charge of all of the affairs of the house. He was in charge of the the landowner's money. He was in charge of the house. He made sure all the bills were paid, made sure all the things were taken care of. That's what a steward was, okay? Uh, That's what the Bible says we are. The Lord would go to the steward and he said, hey, I need this, I need uh, 10 cattle, and I need grain, and, I need, and, the steward, and, and he would hand the steward his money, and the steward would go take the, guy, take the, the landowner's money and buy what he, what he was told to buy. He would manage the affairs of the household. None of it was his, he managed the Lord's money. And that's what the Bible says we are. He's the owner, we're the position steward. We send God's money and God's possessions where he tells us to go. That's what you are, that's what I am. Okay, and uh, I have retirement, like many of you. Not much, but some, okay? Uh, and I've, I've got a, a, an investor. And every month, I take my surplus, five bucks, and I, and I say, hey, I want you to go buy one one-hundredth of a share of apple, you know? Uh, but I, I send it to him, and he buys what I tell him to buy. That's it. Now, if my investment guy took my dollars, and, and I said, well, I want you to buy 10 shares of McDonald's. Get me some stock in McDonald's. And instead, he spent it on a weekend a vacation with his wife. What is that known as? Stealing. Absolutely, that's known as stealing. Okay, because it's not his, it's mine. It's, it's, it's my money that goes where I tell it to go. Now, let's split places. God is the owner. We are the managers. We are to send his things where he tells it to go. That's what it means to be a steward, okay? So it's st- why, like, it was, it's stealing because it was never the finances person to begin with, Finance persons to begin with. In the same way, God's stuff is never mine to begin with, and therefore it's stealing if I use it for a purpose that he doesn't want me to use it for. It's stealing, right? And, that's, and guys, that's where generosity begins, the understanding that it's all his, okay? It never was ours, never will be, Don't treat it like it's yours. It's not. It's God's. He's given it to you because he loves you. Did you know that? Everything you have, he's given it to you because he loves you. He didn't have to. Never forget that. People with greed, lodged in their hearts, you all, never believe that God is going to provide for them. That's why they claim ownership over things that never were theirs to begin with. That's why they say mine over things that are not theirs. Generosity starts to believe it's all his. Then generosity asks an amazing question. I was challenged with this this week. I've never thought along these lines before. Generosity asks the question, why did God give me more than I need? Luke 12, 16 through 17, he told him this parable. Ground certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've, I've got more than I need. I, don't, I can't even store it all is what he says, and see guys, we're good at asking the question, why hasn't God given me enough? I get that question a lot. Did you ever stop to wonder why God gives you more than you need? Why do I have access? Excess, not often. So I wanna see a show of hands. How many of you all in here and online, if you're, if you're online, raise your hand, even though we can't see you. How many of you all have more than you need? you ever stop to ask, why? Why you have more than you need? Probably not often. How many of you all, this Christmas, the major problem is not, how am I going to get money to buy Christmas presents? The major problem you're going to face is, what do I get for someone who has everything? Exactly. Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? What should you get for someone who has Everything. Really? A box? Yeah. Sometimes a box is cooler than what's in it. No, seriously, I would love, I would love it if a parent in here, all right, and you can, you can blame me for saying this, would come down and say, this year, nobody's getting anything because everybody's already got everything. We've got no room for all the stuff that we have. Oh, I see, I see a lot of the guys going, cool. I don't have to shop. This is great. <laughs> And, and, and yeah, I'm going to get in a lot of angry stuff on Christmas morning. That's fine. No, uh, but do we ever stop to think that God has a hand in your abundance in having more than you need? Do you think that maybe he's given you more than you need for a reason? People of Cattle's Christian Church. People online, do you think that maybe he strategically placed assets in your possession because there's a purpose beyond increasing your level of comfort? Do we ever stop to think? Are we capable of thinking on that line, on those lines? See, the the, the guy in this in this, uh, if he was really had the concept of a steward down, this is what the guy would have done. He he would have looked at God. He would have looked at look at and and he would have said, "God, what do you want me to do with this excess? I'm a steward. I've no idea what to do with this. I've already paid the bills, God. I've already saved, I've already tithed. And I still have more than I need. I'm awaiting your directions because I this isn't mine. It's yours. What do you want me to do with it?" That's what this guy should have done in this parable if he truly understood himself as a steward. But often our response is like this man, what shall I do with the excess? Well, I'll keep it for myself. The American dream kicks in. Hey, we'll store it, we'll save it, we'll keep it to ourselves, we'll kick back, we'll live life, we'll live life on easy street. From now on, we've hit pay dirt, we're just gonna eat, drink, and be merry. The American dream lives on. But remember, This parable teaches that an abundance of stuff does not equal an abundance of time. That very night, his life was gonna end, and he was gonna run out of time long before he ran out of money. And that's the story for most of us, the vast majority of us. We're gonna run out of time before we run out of stuff. That's why there are things called wills and inheritances, Right? The answer is, and God asks this loaded question, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He wasn't looking for an answer. He wasn't looking for an answer. It was a rhetorical question. The answer was someone else. Someone else will enjoy what he earned and what he deserved and what he had stored for himself. Why? Because it was never his to begin with. See, guys, God simply redistributes his stuff to different people. That's all he does. That's all life is. See, people, we're all going to be generous. Some of us are going to get to enjoy that generosity and do it by choice. Others Others of us are going to be generous when we die and we give it all away anyway. So you're going to be generous. The question is, are you going to get to enjoy it Okay? Because the thing that greedy people will never understand is that generosity has a huge side effect to it and it's called joy. The most joyful times in my life are the times where I have given and been generous. Okay? See, generosity, last point, generosity allows you to enjoy what God has provided. He allows you to enjoy it. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 17. This is good stuff. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Did you get that? He provides you with everything. Why? For your enjoyment. He He wants you to enjoy the things he has given you. Did you know that? He wants you to. We want you to enjoy it the right way. See, greedy people try to enjoy it by keeping things to themselves. Generous people enjoy it by giving it away and experiencing the awesomeness of that. See, guys, a lot of us don't enjoy what God has given us. We don't because somebody else has something better. And it's not enough. Can't believe I have to drive a car that's 10 years old. Look at my neighbor's got a five-year-old car. Can't even enjoy the car. See, that's because our stuff owns us instead of us owning them. I saw a great meme. Facebook's not good for much, but it's good for memes. I saw, I saw a great meme. It was a picture of this cluttered room. Looks like a lot of rooms in my house. I'm kidding. And it said this, all that clutter used to be money. All that money used to be time. So you spent all that time creating a mess for yourself to clean up, good job. Look around you, all that clutter used to be money that you work for, and all that money used to be time, and you came full circle. Now you gotta spend time cleaning up the stuff that used to be money, that used to be time. Now you have to spend time cleaning it up. Good job. Great meme. Guys, I love to give. I love it, it's one of my favorite things in the world. I wanna tell you about the best seven dollars I ever spent. It's when, it, when, you, when you begin to love giving and you understand why God gives you stuff and how you enjoy it. Best seven dollars I ever spent, my, uh, my wife and I were on a mission trip to India and um, we, in between speaking, I was asked to go pray with people, people in the community wanted us to come pray for them. And so in between speaking and in between uh, ministry responsibilities, we, we'd go just walk down the street and people invite us in their home. We'd pray for them. And uh, we went to this back street way back in the middle of, of, of nowhere in the very, very poor section. When I say poor section, I don't mean American poor section. I'm talking poor section in India. And there was this man laying on a cot out in front of what... I guess you call it a house, I guess. Um, he was laying there, and he'd had a stroke, and he was paralyzed in half of his body. And, um, and he, uh, he, his wife asked me to pray for him. And he sat up, and, and, and asked. He, he took with his one good hand, he, he took my hand and put it on top of his head. You guys see this picture right here. Um, and asked me to pray for him. He took my mother with his right hand, took my hand, and I was praying for him. And just and and as as I prayed for him, he uh, he just just tears just started falling down his down his face, and the, the pastors that were that were there with me uh, explained to me that he'd had a stroke and he 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 couldn't work and, and and walking around he couldn't he couldn't get around he'd never left the the cot, and uh, and and I, I said, well, is there anything that can be done? Uh, for this for this man He goes well we, we could get him a walker Because he has a use of his arms But but that, that, that's really hard to get uh, It's very expensive And I said well how expensive is it And he said, uh, he said Pastor it's very expensive He said it's 500 And I said 500 dollars He goes 500 rupee Which was 7 dollars And I said My goodness Um and I, I happened to have a 500-rupee note in my wallet. And I, and I handed it to the pastor and I said, man, go, go, get, go get him the, the walker. And you'd have thought that I'd handed a winning lottery ticket to this pastor. And he explained to the man that he was going to go get a walker. And, and the joy, the disbelief on his face was something that I will never forget. If I was to live a million years, I will never forget what that moment was like. Here it was, it was $7, you guys, that's, that's it. But it was, it, it, it was life-changing for this man, and, and as we went, uh, to the to, to to as I went to preach that night, they had got it, and and the man they brought the man to the the event to hear the gospel, and and he was able. He 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 came walking up to me, using his walker, using his new walker, smiling the half of his face that he could smile with, beaming, as if he'd given been given new life. Now seven dollars could buy you you know a meal at McDonald's. Or it could make someone's day. That's the power of generosity. One of the most joyful moments of my life. We went back in 2015, and when the man heard that we were coming back, he wanted to make sure that we came to see him. And I had both of my daughters with me, and, and, and we brought, I brought my family to meet him and, and he was pleased to meet the family. And, and, and then the next year um, we had, uh, Casey was, was in college and the, and the next year it was Elsie and Sam and he got to meet Sam. And the next year that Sam and I went, we found out the man had died. And as we went and talked with his widow, she said this piece of property that I own, I want to give it to a church. I, I wanna, I'm gonna be moving, and I want to give this to the church that got the walker for my husband. There's a church meeting there, proclaiming the word of God. Because that's, not only did I take to experience the joy of giving, this, is, this was back in 2013, now in 2020, that it's still going. That's generosity. And guys, that is what God says, I've given you these things for your enjoyment. This is what it means. Not so we can make ourselves bigger and greater, but so we can actually enjoy, which means we give. Well, you don't have to go all the way over to India to do things like that. Um, I want you guys to enjoy generosity. Let's let's take away this me first nonsense that this culture has spoken to us and let's get rid of that and let's replace it with a spirit of generosity. Um, we, we as a staff, me and JK and, and Rob and, and, and our intern back then, Aaron, one time we went to Cottage Cafe down there and we decided we wanted to just give a huge tip just for, for, for no reason, we just wanted to do it. The bill came to be like $30 and we said, Instead of tipping 20%, let's tip 10 times. So we gave this $300 tip to the waitress. You, I mean, you, she's still picking her, her, her chin up off the floor. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Guys, if you go out to lunch today, tip huge and watch the joy. Experience the joy. Um, order a pizza tonight and tip the driver 100 bucks Get, like get your whole family and every, like everybody contribute. Get five bucks from your from your son and ten, to, ten bucks from your other kid and, and everybody chip in and everybody tip a hundred bucks and make the guys day. Uh, you can sponsor a child through our orphanage. We always need sponsors. $35 a month, you can, you can make uh, provide education and clothes and food and safety for a child over in India. Um, how about you do this? Pick five people this week, five people. Just pray about it. Ask, ask the Lord to put five people on your heart and write them a card and enclose close 20 bucks. Send it to them, or 50 bucks, whatever you wanna do. However they want. How about this? You could write to one of our college students. we got a lot of college students in this, in this church that are away at school. Man, write them a card and send them 20 bucks. <laughs> you, that's like winning the lottery for a college student, not having to eat at the cafeteria. I mean, going out to eat, or give them a gift card or something like that. They love that. I loved that when I was a kid, when I was in college. Um, or maybe, how about this? When you're out and about, you see a first responder at, at, a, at a restaurant, you know, a police, fire, EMT, buy their lunch for them. It's a, it's a really good deal because a lot of restaurants give first responders 50% off. You, know? and so you, you don't really have to spend as much, and they're doubly grateful. It's a really good deal. Okay, go be generous. Those of you that are doing the Dave Ramsey program, which we want everybody to do, and are doing the cash envelope thing, I want you to do, I want you to make a new envelope this month. M- label it fun, okay? And put five dollars bills or five dollars whatever, and just give it away this month. I guarantee it'll be the best money you spend all month. Seriously, just give it away to somebody. Say this, I'm budgeting this to give away just to make somebody's day. Generosity. I love to give, you guys. It's always been a dream of mine as a pastor of this church, at some point, that we can give a million dollars in one year to missions. it been a dream of mine. See, currently we give about $40,000 per year to missions, to our our orphanage and to our our missionaries overseas, to our church plants and everything like that. And you say, well, $40,000 to a million, that's that's a pretty big stretch. I don't think we can do that. I can see God up in heaven when you say that, acting like Miracle Max from Princess Bride. Oh, oh, look who knows so much. I, I I can see him doing that. Because is there anything, Christians, that is impossible for God? Is, is anything too big for our God, is it? No, absolutely not. I feel like God is just basically saying, listen, Christians, if you guys knew the joy of generosity, if you would get rid of this me first stuff, and you would just be generous, you would experience so much joy. My work in the world would be, would be carried forth. That's what God is saying. Well, is anything impossible for God? Not at all. But when we remove this awful, awful, thing called selfishness and greed from our hearts and replace it with generosity. Oh, we begin living as our creator wants us to live. God is in nature a giver. I'm reading the parable of the guy in this story that has more than he needs. And when I see what he does, I'll build bigger barns. I literally started yelling at this guy. What are you doing? You know, I, I'm, I'm yelling, and, and, and you know, I see my wife running up. What are you, what, what's wrong? Oh, oh, you're reading the scriptures again. You know, I'm like, do you see what this guy's doing? You see what he's doing? You see what he's missing out on? I, I start, I, 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 because he's missing out on the greatest joy that God has for him. I hope you, no one else yells at scripture. That's kinda of something I gotta deal with. But I'm yelling at this guy because he's missing out. And then I realize that so are so many of us with that mentality. I want to invite the band to come up. See, guys, greed is saying me first when Jesus says others first. Generosity is God's plan for us all. See, he tells us, Jesus tells us, Others first for reason, you guys. It's for a reason. It's not arbitrary. It's not a random comment. It's for a reason. And it's and it's right here in First Timothy 617. So that you can enjoy what He's given you. So that you can enjoy what He's given you. As we close, I want you to think. I want you to get in mind someone who's generous. Usually it's a grandma or somebody in your life that is generous. And I want you to picture them in your mind. And I want you to ask yourself, are they happy people? Are they happy? Of course they are. Generous people are always happy. I don't know if generosity creates happiness or if happy people are generous. All I know is I've never seen a miserable, generous person. On the other hand, I've never seen a greedy, happy person. The most miserable people I know in this world, are the people that put themselves first. Themselves, above their family, above their church, above their community, above their nation. People who put themselves first. Those are the most miserable people I know. So the choice is clear, catalyst. Are we going to be people that live life in the image of God? Generous, giving, not holding tight to things that are never ours to begin with, but being stewards of God's property. And hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant.